Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. This is an up-close look at the students, faculty, and administrators who make your college unique. This weekly show shines a spotlight on the programs and people here at YCP. This week's host is Jeffrey Schiffman. Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. And today we are going to be talking with Major Jackson. Major is a poet, and he is the York College Writer in Residence uh, this month. He's currently teaching at Vanderbilt University. He's the author of five books uh, of poetry, including The Absurd Man, which was published last year. He was born in Philadelphia, so he knows the area. He's also a Temple grad, uh, undergraduate Temple? Undergrad. Yeah. All right, there you go. Go out. I, I guess the first question I, I really want to ask you is, have you always been into poetry? What got you started writing poetry? My uh, grandparents had, you couldn't call it an official library, but it was a, a house full of books. And there were two books that looked on the page differently than other books. That was the, uh, the selected poems of Langston Hughes and a paperback edition of Robert Frost poems. And I just liked the way they looked on the page. They were, you know, uh, digestible, as we say. They were not texts that ran from one side to another. So early on, uh, I, I began my relationship of being a reader of poetry. And then when I got to high school, I wanted to be a rapper. So that <laughs> further pushed my relationship with language. And by the time I got to college, uh, at Temple University, I started taking creative writing classes, but I was an accounting major. So it was a wonderful kind of balancing of my <laughs> left brain and right brain. There you go. So so it's been so literally it's been a lifetime love or a, or a pretty long, long love. It, it, it was you mentioned Langston Hughes, other other poets that maybe uh, had an early influence on you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a full range of poets and, and I would say in graduate school I became very interested in the British romantic poets like Wordsworth and Yeats, Yeats I'm sorry, uh, Keats and yes, the Irish poet Yeats but then, you know, fast forward uh, the poets that spoke to me were the poets who uh, spoke about um, our social and political uh, reality uh, particularly from the beat poets all the way up to the, the black arts poets like Amiri Baraka and Nikki Giovanni and Samuel Sanchez, uh, Gwendolyn Brooks. There's so many poets for whom if you do something for a lifetime, you not only study the art, you also study those who uh, have mastered the art. And, uh, uh, and that, that cuts across all kinds of aesthetics as well as uh, culture. So I read poetry over in Europe. I read poetry and translation. Talk about your process. And, and obviously, uh, students might be hearing this. Talk about your process for you doing your poetry. Uh, is it something you do every day? Uh, you know, I know you teach. Uh, so obviously, they're, they're, that breaks it up a little bit. But is that something that you're doing on an everyday basis where you're or, or are you just kind of thinking about it, writing ideas down? Do you, yeah, I'm sure you walk around with something that you write things down in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I do not write every day. However, there is a kind of meditative practice of being a poet, living and walking in the world and paying attention so that even 
even if I'm not consciously aware, I will see something. And fortunately, we have these gadgets called uh, phones where I can send myself an audio note on something that I would like to write about. So it's, there's that part of it. But I have several means by which I enter poems. I have a Monday group. We get together for an hour and a half, exchange some words and turn off our computers for 45 minutes, write and come back and share our first draft. Um, I also, uh, with my wife, we, with some friends, will say, hey, let's do five days of writing and share with each other. And we don't give each other feedback. We just make each other accountable. It's almost like making your, your deposit in your, in your bank. Uh, every day. So we, at least that's lately. When I first started writing poetry, it wasn't every day. I felt like I needed that kind of discipline where I carved out, even though I live a very busy life, I tried to carve out uh, at least an hour to, if not reading poetry, if not writing poetry, at least reading poetry. We are talking with the poet Major Jackson. He is the York College writer in residence. All right. Um, we're doing this via Zoom. Uh, uh, you, you said you're teaching via Zoom. I've taught via Zoom. How has, the, how has the pandemic impacted you as a writer? I mean, obviously, you're not able to go out and do, do events and, and, and that sort of thing. You know, typically, a writer in residence would be on mm-hmm. campus here, you know, interacting mm-hmm. How has it, it impacted you? And, and, and the irony of it is we are literally about a year from when we kind of shut <laughs> everything really down. That's right. That's right. Well, interestingly enough, I, the programming around poetry and other literary arts has made, the pandemic has made those events very accessible. So just last night, I attended a reading that supposedly was happening up, up in Hudson Valley, New York. Uh, the previous uh, two days ago, I attended an event in London. So on that level, you know. <laughs> a little bit, a little less travel. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, but in terms of teaching, it is, a, it is, it's not, as you know, it's not the same as, as the synergy and the energy that happens when you have your students in the classroom. There's a level of kind of trust that happens, a level of rapport that happens, a level of active engagement and talking out. And yes, that happens over Zoom to some extent, but it does not reach the same levels of engagement as when we're in the classroom. In terms of my writing, it has brought my friends and I closer because we feel the sense of isolation and uh, loneliness. And we're, we're acclimated to solitude because we're artists and we're writers, but we have been brought together by contemplating what does it mean for us to pause in this big way? What does it mean for our writing practice? What does it mean for the earth? What does it mean for our local communities? Who among us does not have support networks and how can we be there for them? So 
on, on one level, I, I do believe that this moment has, uh, we will come out stronger on the other end because we put into place uh, an infrastructure of being both personal and communal that I feel is really phenomenal, really phenomenal. Have you done some writing about it? I have. I have written uh, a few poems. Uh, several editor friends of mine put out anthologies immediately uh, during the pandemic or right in the middle and asked me for work. And uh, one of the poems is called Invocation. And we had not yet come up with a vaccination. And this poem is a kind of prayer for not only healing, uh, medical healing, but also uh, one in which we heal our community. Because if you'll recall, the pandemic just came in this perfect storm of social and political unrest, um, uh, not to mention the fires that were happening over on the West Coast. It, it, it felt for some people a little apocalyptic or at minimum that the, work, the world was shifting. And so uh, many of us started putting pen to paper. And interestingly enough, there were some who felt as if they could not, in the heat of this pandemic, write anything. They felt debilitated. Mm. And my message of support to them was, don't worry. You know, what we're doing is we're handing off the torch to each other. Uh, if your practice doesn't allow for you to see the import of this particular moment or what lessons to be gleaned, uh, someone is doing that work and you'll be ready when you have time to look back and, and, and gauge, gauge the landscape of what we just went through. We certainly have had COVID. We, to mention the fires, you know, we've had, it, it seems like the only thing we haven't had is locusts. Uh, and maybe in some place like that. <laughs> well, one of the th I, 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 and and this is not a funny topic, but one of the things that that I think is also underlined in the last year or so is the whole Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd. Mm -hmm. How has that impacted you? And I and and I just read one of your uh, one of your poems that you did last year. Uh, uh, we danced the WAP. Oh, yeah. In the <laughs> 80s, we did the walk. Yeah. Yes. In the 80s, yes. we did the walk. Yes. Yes. Thank you for asking that question. Jeffrey. I, I very much appreciate that. Um, for many of us who have been contemplating uh, both human rights and civil rights, uh, last year's uprising was once again a culmination of, of a tragedy that just should not have happened. And as you know, you've been on this earth as long as I have. Um, our, it seems as though when we raise our consciousness, inevitably we fall back or we fall down. And I feel like during those moments, last year was about lifting each other up, brushing each other off and continuing the good work of of acknowledging all every member of our society. And I'm deeply appreciative of the business community, the, 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 our spiritual communities, um, as well as our neighbors who have thought about um, 
you know, what does it mean to be human and how can we advance a greater vision of our collective humanity? That's been, in my art, my writing has, um, I've, I've gotten a fire, again. not that I ever lost it, it's just that the flame has been uh, turned up. Despite the COVID, right? Despite the COVID. In fact, maybe realizing that there's a connection between um, our, our bodies and our souls and our spirits, uh, we have to address these matters or concerns holistically. We are talking with your college writer in residence, uh, the poet Major Jackson. And let me ask you, uh, what's your message to new writers? So you're, you're probably, you know, when you talk to your students at, at uh, where you teach at Vanderbilt, and uh, I'm sure some of the students here at your college, what's your message to new writers? You know, once that you, rem- you know, you're remembering those days when you were, you know, starting mm-hmm. at, at Temple and, and, and do that and, and all that. What's your message to them? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the music that I listen to, the... Uh, the books that I read, they tended to make me a bit of a, of a brooder and someone <laughs> who felt as though they needed to, you know, be emotive, but only emotive among a small group of people and in my, in my journal, you know. <laughs> uh, and that's the first step, I believe, to being an artist is, is being kind of sensitive and aware to your own emotions. Um, but we have to remember that art is more than self-expression, that it is indeed a craft. And if you dedicate yourself to that craft, it will be a lifelong journey and one must immerse themselves. And so I often tell young, young writers, be as passionate about being a reader as you are a writer or someone who wants to share their work and read poetry uh, both vertically and widely, read, read it across cultures, read it across languages, uh, discover what is the power that we hold when we write or when we communicate. Words are really, really powerful um, uh, aspect of what it means to be a human. Animals have a different kind of speech. And we as human beings have the kind of speech that can raise nations or collapse nations. And if you are an artist of language, i.e. a poet or or a fiction writer or an essayist, uh, you realize the extent to which you have uh, an ability to impact people's lives, particularly how they think, how they feel, and uh, how they experience the world around them. All right, last question here. So poetry is having a little bit of a moment, a little bit of a buzz, <laughs> primarily off of Amanda Gorman's uh, poem at the inauguration. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know, obviously that's something, you know, poetry is never going to be, you know, mass fiction or anything like that. Yeah. But certainly that that you're bringing maybe some new people to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the inauguration poem is one of those spotlight moments for poetry. It's almost like, it's not the ex- exactly the Oscars or the Academy, but a single poet is hitting the stage in a big, big way. I think about the very first inaugural poet, Robert Frost, when he got up there, John Kennedy's inauguration, 
and he had written one poem and the wind was just whipping that particular day. Couldn't manage to hold his paper and shaking and fluttering everywhere. And then finally he just gave that poem up and from memory belted this poem, the gift outright. The land was ours before we were the land. And ever since that particular moment, I feel as though every poet who has gotten up on the stage, whether it's Maya Angelou or my friend Elizabeth Alexander, definitely Amanda Gorman, has illustrated the power of poetry to rally us as a nation with a particular purpose. A democracy in which free speech, uh, in which all of our freedoms, all of our rights are embedded in that and our possibilities as a nation. It's always a very proud uh, moment for me. And if no one, if, if before then someone did not read poetry, my hope is that after experiencing the Amanda Gorman, that they go out and seek other experiences with poetry like that. Major Jackson, uh, your college writer in residence, poet. Uh, thank you very much. He, his new his new book, uh, m- most recent book. I'm assuming you're probably always writing a book, right? <laughs> I <Or> am. <laughs> but his, I woke uh, up this morning, started writing it. There you go. Um, so, so his um, most recent book is called uh, "The Absurd Man: A Book of Poetry." Thank you very much. We really appreciate your time and uh, enjoy your uh, rest of the day. Thank you, Jeffrey. You too. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for WVYC's Perspectives. The program airs weekly on Mondays and Fridays at 9 o'clock. Public Affairs program is also available as a podcast at wvyc.podbean.com. Jeffrey Schiffman serves as the Executive Director of Perspectives. We hope you join us again for this in-depth look at the York College community.